The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Uh, my son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth, do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come to the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly... Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Do you see that in, in verse number 11? The Bible talks about... Poverty coming, verse 12, it talks about a naughty person, a wicked man. It says he walks with a froward mouth, he winks with his eyes, he speaks with his feet, he teaches with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continue. You see, there's the things that God hates in the wicked person's life. And the Bible describes these things, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And they can be found in the life of a wicked person. And the Bible tells us that we're to be wise as Christians and We're going to kind of contrast that tonight and look at uh, these two people, the wise and the wicked. Let's pray and ask God to bless us tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity to study your word. God, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that it is to preach your word. God, I do not consider myself worthy, uh, nor do I consider myself personally, uh, Lord, uh, wise enough in my own education to be able to expound your precious and wonderful word. But I'm thankful tonight that I can lean not on my own understanding, but on the understanding given through the Holy Spirit, which leads and guides into truth. And God, I pray that you'd help me to use wisdom that you've given me uh, to be a help to others tonight. And I pray that you'd use the Word of God to shore up our hearts, to help us to choose wisely in the decision of what kind of person uh, we might be. In Jesus' name we pray, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, A lot of times I think young people... I really examine, you ever watch a kid, they're watching other people and they're kind of keeping their eyes. You know, children are sponges. They just kind of, uh, I was mentioning uh, this morning to Brother Annie, Miss Kayla, they were holding their daughter there and she's just kind of like a mimic. She does everything that you do, you know. I, I think it's kind of, we were talking joke and say it's kind of the reverse way. I think she knows that we'll mimic everything she does and she goes, and then and we do that, right? And she says, look how dumb I made you, all right? And I think the joke's really on us. Uh, but, you know, Children really are that way, aren't they? They're like sponges. They hear everything, and 
really they're calculating in their own heart and mind. And I believe that uh, somewhere along the way, as young people grow, they become uh, their children, then they reach adolescence, and they go into the teenage years, and uh, young adults, and they become adults. I think along the way, they're really choosing what kind of person they want to be. They're choosing what kind of direction they're going to go in. And they're evaluating based on the knowledge they've received and experiences they've had, interactions they had with other people. That's why the Bible talks about, as young people, that you're supposed to be careful of your influences. And as you mature, you need to understand that there's right choices and there's wrong choices. And a person that's mature understands that I need wisdom to make the right choices. And that kind of wisdom only comes from God. And so I've got to go to God's Word in order to make the right kind of decisions and choices. And really, I'm just trying to decide what kind of person I want to be. I think we would all say tonight that I want to be wise. I want to be a wise person. I want to make the right choices. I don't think that you would be here. I'm not here to beat you up tonight. I, I, I don't think you would be here in church tonight on a Sunday evening. I don't think you would have chosen to come here if you didn't really want to be a wise person. I think, I think you chose because you said, I, I want to be a wise person. I think being under the preaching of God's word is, is a wise decision to make. I think interacting and fellowshipping with other Christians is a wise uh, decision to make. I, I think... Uh, um, Getting in the Word of God and studying it together as a church is a wise thing for us to choose to do. And, and so I think everybody tonight really has a desire to be wise. But I know there's some young people tonight that maybe are evaluating our decisions as adults. And maybe they're looking at us and seeing us make pretty foolish decisions in some areas of our lives. And they're deciding, well, I'm either going to be wise or I'm going to be wicked in my life. And I don't think anybody really sits, sets out to say I'll be a wicked person. But they can end up that way. We talked about sin and how it destroys gradually and ultimately it brings death and all those things. And we understand the destructive pattern that sin brings into someone's life. We've all felt it. You ever, uh, you, know, you know, you've had consequences for sin that's in your life. And some of us, we're still feeling those consequences. And, uh, you know, even though we know we've been forgiven, we understand that our actions bring about a reaction. We understand that what we do, uh, there's going to be a consequence to what we do. And the entire book of Proverbs is a, is a really, it's a guide to attaining wisdom. And if you just hear me, let me give you some points or characteristics tonight of a wise man. Number one, the wise man. And uh, let me give you some things about a wise man that we see in the book of Proverbs. Number one, if you want to write these down, if not, you just want to listen, but I hope that you'll listen to the Word of God tonight. Number one, wise people listen to wise instruction. Wise people listen to wise instruction. The Bible says a wise man will hear and will increase learning. Wise people, the Bible says fools despise wisdom and instruction. They don't want to get instruction. They don't want to, come on, we've all been there, guys, when we got the instruction manual and threw it away, right? And uh, we said at the end, well, that was a pretty foolish thing to do. I should have at least considered the instruction based on the person who designed and made this thing, uh, even though this thing is a stupid thing, and I don't know why my wife bought it in the first place, and why she, it's really her fault, and, uh, you know, and uh, that's why, you know, she buys it, I got to put it together, and then she gets to enjoy it, you know, same thing at Christmas, right, she buys it, I got to put it together, and the kids get to play with it, all right, that's how, how it works, right, and we understand sometimes uh, we uh, try to bypass instruction because we think we're wise enough to do it without the instructions, 
And it's a foolish thing, really, to do that. And even sometimes in us, we know that it's foolish, but isn't the pride in us that says, I can do it without direction, I can do it without instruction. It's the same thing that comes up into a child when they say, I don't need direction, I don't need instruction. You know, uh, you, uh, they come to you and they say uh, in school uh, to their teacher, can you help me work this problem out? And you ask them, did you read the instructions? Well, No. You're just supposed to tell me how to do it. I don't want to read the instructions. And uh, they'll do their homework and they'll say, you know, I, I, how do I, I can't figure out this answer. You would say, well, did you read the book? No, of course I didn't read the book. I, I just want the shortcut. I want to get it done fast. And we understand that's not wisdom. The Bible says it's wise for us to hear, for us to hear instruction, for us to increase in learning. As a wise person, I'm going to have to listen to wise counsel. As a wise person, I'm going to have to listen to wise instruction. And what does that primarily mean? Well, I'm primarily talking about listening to the Word of God tonight. You know, this means we've got to diligently spend time reading and studying the Word of God. And by the way, it's not, it's not good enough for me to just have a study Bible and read books about the Bible. Some people, they, they replace all their Bible studying and reading with reading what other people say about Scripture rather than just reading Scripture. And boy, that'll get you in a mess, especially since we understand that although men are well-intended and have written good things, that sometimes they don't say or know everything about that verse. And I've got to know the Scripture and understand what the Scripture says and read it and study to show myself approved unto God. Let me give you number two about wise people. Wise people fear the Lord. Wise people fear the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 110.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What is fearing the Lord? Well, we talked about it a little bit in the first sermon we preached in this series on choosing to fear God and when fear is a wise decision. But fearing the Lord means to respect him so that we obey his will and seek to honor his name. I respect God. I honor God. In my life, I respect him. I respect what he says. I want to do what he says. I want to follow what his word says. I want to listen to what he says. If you ever look at someone that doesn't respect another person, they don't listen to them. It's the truth. If someone doesn't respect someone, they don't listen to them. That's why, by the way, men, when your wives speak, you ought to listen to them. Because it's a show of disrespect by not listening. That's why, uh, children, when your parents speak, you ought to listen to them. Because it's a sign of disrespect not to listen. That's why when the pastor gets up to preach, you ought to listen to him. Because it's a sign of... You knew I was getting there, didn't you? It was a sign of disrespect not to listen to someone. It shows when I don't listen when someone's talking, it shows I don't respect you. Come on, Mom, you say it all the time to the kids. Are you listening to me? Most of the time when you ask that question, you know the answer is no. They're not listening to you. If they were listening to you, you wouldn't have asked the rhetorical question. You wouldn't have said that to them. You know by their lack of eye contact, by their body language. By the, and by the way, that, that's sometimes how the pastor knows you're not listening too. Lack of eye contact, body language. I, I understand some of you sit, oh, let me sit up, let me, you know, uh, pay attention here. And I understand there's different reasons for why we carry ourselves different ways. But really, I ought to carry myself in a way. When I respect someone, I want to listen to what they say. 
I want, to, I want to look them in the eye. I want to listen. And listen, when the word of God is preached and spoken, we've got to have a, a respect, not necessarily just for, yes, you ought to respect the person behind the uh, sacred desk, but you also ought to respect the word of God enough that when it's preached, I want to listen, I want to hear, I want to attain unto knowledge and instruction. I want to fear the Lord and get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding, the Bible says. When you fear the Lord, you keep your priorities straight. You also steer clear of evil, don't you? That's what the Bible says, that we'll fear the Lord and depart from evil. Let me give you number three. Wise people associate with wise people. Wise people associate with wise people. Um, how do I associate with wise people? Well, I believe one way I can associate with wise people is by reading the Word of God. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there's some people in the Word of God that I could never meet until I get to heaven but I can meet them in the Scripture. I can read about them. I can know about them. I can understand the, uh, uh, the, the things that God reveals to me about them. And by knowing their wisdom, I, I want to read the book of Proverbs. And the Bible talks about Solomon got his wisdom from the Lord. Now, we know Solomon wasn't a perfect man, but we know that Solomon was a wise man. And God gave him that wisdom. And we understand, hey, I want to read about uh, good people in God's Word. I want to read the Word of God because by read, what I read, I associate with the person who's writing. Isn't that why we read the Bible? Because in reading the Bible, I'm associating with the writer. Who's the writer? God is. I want to associate with God. And how I associate with God is I read. A lot of people have favorite authors. The reason why they read that person is because they like to associate with the way that uh, writer writes. Some people like to read tabloids. Not anyone here, of course, but uh, some people like to read uh, tabloids. And the reason why is because they like to associate with whoever those people are, uh, or at least, uh, and we all know they're all lies most of the time. And uh, here's the thing. I don't want to be a companion of fools. And uh, by association, sometimes we can be. You know, a wise person is going to be careful what they listen to. A wise person is going to be careful what they read. A wise person is going to be careful because we all understand garbage in, garbage out, right? We understand if we, if we take it in, it's going to come out of us. If we put it down in the well, eventually, uh, when we need something and we dig down deep in the well, what we put in the well is going to eventually come out of the well. We've got to be careful what we listen to and what we, what we uh, hear and uh, how we, what we read and what we intake into us because, you know, by association sometimes we associate with fools. We become the companion of fools by association. Sometimes entertainment can be a way of associating with foolish people. That's why we've got to be careful with what we watch and what we listen to. It. And uh, by the way, uh, the, the saying is not true, everything in moderation. Some things ought to be completely avoided. Not everything is in moderation. Sin is not in moderation. I don't moderately sin. I want to stay away from it completely. And, uh, you know, one of the best ways to walk with the wise is to read church history, Christian biographies. You know, those are good ways to associate with wise people. I may not be able to meet Amy Carmichael or Hudson Taylor or David Livingston or some of the great uh, heroes of the past and heroes of the faith. I may not be able to walk with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but I sure can read about their lives and study about how they live their lives and associate with these people. By the way, that's why I love when we have these, uh, these uh, people that we come in from different ministries and things. Uh, we want to associate, get to know people. When we bring them in, they're our guests. They're not up on a mantle somewhere. Get, them, get to know these people. 
associate with them. It's good. That's why we bring them in. We want to say, hey, these are good people. These are people worth associating with, getting to know. Wise people associate with wise people. Uh, Let me give you another point. Wise people preserve what they've gained and they use it. Wise people preserve what they've gained and they use it. Go to Proverbs chapter 10 and look at verse 14 with me. Proverbs 10 verse 14. Just turn there quick, just a couple chapters over from where you were. Look at verse 14. What does it say about what people, wise men do with knowledge that they've gained? Look at verse 14. Wise men lay up knowledge. They preserve it. They keep it. They store it. That's what it means to lay up. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. You see that? Uh, What is he saying there? Well, if wisdom is stored in the heart, if I I get wisdom, I get a good thought. That's why I encourage people to write down things. You, You hear something that's helpful to you, write it down. How many have a bad memory? You have a bad memory. You have a hard time remembering things. Uh, You know, some people, they rely on their memory and they forget a lot of things. Uh, The best way that you can remember things is for you to write them down and to put them down in a place. Uh, uh, You know, with technology today, there's a lot of of ways to get reminders. And uh, it's a good thing to remind ourselves to do good things. And uh, by the way, it's a good thing for us to remind ourselves of things that we learned. I recently, um, I recently got a message from uh, someone who uh, I uh, performed their wedding, and, and uh, they, uh, they are not living here in New Jersey anymore, but uh, got to uh, just disciple them and, and engage with them. And, and uh, she sent me a message the other day, and she had written something down in her Bible, something that was said in the message that was preached here, and it was a real help to her. And she said, I was struggling. I was having a hard time, and here I opened up my Bible. Bible and I was reading the Bible and that was helping me and then I read a statement that was said in the message and boy she said it was such timely encouragement it just helped me it was a great help uh, to me I got some uh, letters yesterday on my desk and opened up some mail and and two men who I highly respect in ministry sent me uh, personal notes from their desk and and uh, I I said thank you to them yesterday I said it was just timely encouragement I'm thankful for when people use wisdom and words and they write things down that cause them to our memory. You know, uh, wisdom stored in the heart. If wisdom stored in the heart, guess what happens? When, uh, when we need to say the right thing at the right time and people need to get helped, we can do that. You know, if I've got wisdom in my heart, there's going to be a time where, you know, sometimes I think this is what we do. We listen to a message and we say, well, I don't need that right now. The best thing you can do is store up wisdom. When you hear something good, you may not need it right now, but you may need it tomorrow. You may not need it tomorrow, but you might need it next week. You may need it next year. And a good thing for you to do is put wisdom to memory. You know, put pen to paper and and write some things down. And uh, if it's not your habit to write in your Bible, then write it in a notebook somewhere where you're going to go back to read it. And uh, by the way, that's why I put it in my Bible there because I'm not going to throw this away like I might a notebook paper. And I can uh, flip through and I've got some Bibles with some wide margins and notebook paper in the back. And I write things down and write things down because I want to remember, remember. I've got some messages uh, Uh, that uh, when I was young, I took notes on. I still have those things. I've got some messages when I was in Bible college that God used some men uh, to give me some good things. I still go back and revisit those things. Why? Because I don't want to lose those things. I want to preserve those things. That's what a wise person does. They want to preserve wisdom. But fools lose whatever wisdom they may have picked up, and their words only bring destruction. 
They lose the wisdom that they picked up along the way because they don't love it. Uh, They don't regard it. They don't value it enough to preserve it. They just kind of use it and throw it away. Don't we live in a discard society where everything's disposable? Even things that they make today, they, you ever hear grandma say they don't make them like they used to? Well, she's pretty much telling the truth about most products. Because uh, most people today, and distributors know, that people don't keep things like they used to. People don't preserve things like they used to. We're more disposable society. I believe our generation has created more garbage than most of the generations in the past because we kind of just dispose of everything. There's not too much of value. We just kind of use it, use it for all that it's worth and throw it away. We don't take care of it. And we ought to value things and preserve things. And that's something that comes from the Word of God. Let me give you another, another one. Wise people flee from sin. Wise people flee from sin. The Bible says that a wise man fears and departs from evil. A foolish man is raging. A foolish man is self-confident. A foolish man is prideful in himself, and he thinks that he can do it himself. He's confident in his his ability and his knowledge and his wisdom. Uh, But a wise man fears he departs from evil. A self-confident person uh, isn't wise. Hey, let me give you some uh, wise people who became self-confident and fell. Joshua was self-confident and lost the battle in Joshua 7. Samson was self-confident and became a prisoner in Judges 16. Peter was self-confident and betrayed the Lord three times in Luke chapter 22. See, even wise people can become self-confident and fall and make big uh, decisions that are hurtful and harmful uh, to the work of God. The Bible says, Therefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. In other words, whenever we think we're standing alone and we don't need God, it's a good uh, sign that we're about to have a big fall in our life. Pride cometh before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. So we understand from the Word of God that wise people will flee from sin. Let me say this. uh, Wise people don't take unnecessary chances. Wise people don't take unnecessary chances. In other words, I'm not going to say how close can I get to sin... I'm not going to say, how close can I get to failure without actually failing? I'm not going to say, how close can I get to the edge? Uh, we, uh, we live in a society of people that pride themselves in being edgy, that pride themselves in always being on the edge. And even in uh, uh, the world that we live in, people respect uh, comedians for always being on the edge of perverseness and uh, things that are good and mixing the two. And always being on that edge, that fine line. And we know sometimes people cross over that line. They lose the respect even in society because they cross over a certain line. But the truth of the matter is, is they were never wise if they were flirting with the line. A wise person doesn't flirt with the line. Even if society says, come on, even in our words, we've got to be careful with our words. The Bible says our words are supposed to be pure. Our words are supposed to be peaceable. Our words are supposed to be edifying. Our words are supposed to be unifying. Our words are supposed to build up, not tear down. We've got to be careful with our words, especially since the Lord tells us that we're going to give an account for every word that we speak, whether it be good or bad, for everything that we say. Come on, when I think of every word today in the society that I live in, I think of every word that we text, every word that we email, every word that we post, everything that we share. 
All those things that we do, we're going to give an account for those things. And wise people uh, don't take unnecessary chances. You know what I often uh, feel in my spirit sometimes where people are on one extreme or the other, and I try to avoid, avoid both, by the way. When people take a hard, fast stand on, on one side where Scripture does not or where someone takes the extreme stand on the other side uh, where, uh, where they're going too far uh, close to sin, I, don't, I, I try to stay, to be honest, away from both of those people because I believe they're both dangerous. I don't believe that's what the Word of God tells us that we are. and It's not what wisdom is. Now, I want to stay away from sin, but I want to stay where the Bible says I should stay. Some people, uh, they want to stay so far away from sin, they won't go to a sinner and tell them about Jesus. That's too radical. Some people, they want to stay so far away from sin that when someone comes in, uh, we're not... And by the way, we, we show our immaturity when we can't interact with other people and, and, and help them to come closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what Christians that are mature are supposed to do. Christ, Christians that are mature make disciples. That's what the Bible teaches so you ought to be mature enough to make a disciple. You ought to be mature enough to help someone come closer to the Lord. And if you're not mature enough, you'll need to get in the Word of God and say, God, help me to be mature enough that when someone who maybe is uh, not all the way the way they're supposed to be or maybe somebody who's lost uh, so that they're not going to pull me or affect me to come in because I know that's sin and I know that's wickedness. I want to stay away from that, but I want to help them come closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a balance that's there. And God gives us that in His Word. Uh, let me give you the next one. Wise people discipline their speech. Wise people discipline their speech. Go to Proverbs chapter 16, just a couple more chapters over. And Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 23. You with me tonight? Everybody awake? All right, nod your head or something. The, the heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. It talks about a discipline of speech. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Uh, in the multitude of words. Uh, go, to, go back to, let me uh, read that with you. Go back to chapter 10. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 19. Verse number 19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. You know, that's where grandma got, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. That's where she got that from. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. That means just talking and talking and talking. That's where they used to tell children to be seen and not heard. Because just talking and talking and talking and talking. If, I, if we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and never listen, we never learn. We've got to understand that we've got to discipline our speech. We've got to control. And by the way, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The speech of wise people will instruct. It will inspire uh, you'll be nourished as you listen. But the talk of fools tears down. It leaves you empty and discouraged. That's what happens when you listen to fools speak. Next, wise people are diligent in their work. Wise people are diligent in their work. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. You're there. Verses 4 and 5. Just a couple uh, verses up from where we were reading. He becometh poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Diligence and laziness are key topics in Proverbs. And that we're going to look at them a little bit later in the study, but I want you to understand tonight that wise people are diligent in their work. 
There's something that we need to have a, a resurgence of. There's something that we need to have a revival of, if you would, and that is Christians who are diligent in their work. I'm afraid that sometimes uh, we could be a poor testimony at our jobs because we're lazy at what we do. You know, God never instructs us to be lazy people, to, you know, just hold back. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. I was thinking that tonight as I preached. I said, Lord, I'm going to give everything I have tonight. I want to give it my all. I want to give it my best. I want my heart to be, and I want my mind to be engaged in what I'm doing. I don't want to be distracted. And by the way, I believe that if you listen that way, you get more out of the messages. You know, if, if, if you've, you know, sometimes if we just had that attitude, I'm just going to be diligent. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be lazy in my mind. We've got to be careful because the society that we live in and all the things that are being given to us are teaching laziness of the mind. In other words, sit back, put your mind in neutral, just absorb all the things that are being given to you without checking them, without filtering them, without deciding whether they're good or bad, instead of just sitting there and engaging your mind and be, not being lazy. You know, we've got to understand we've got to be diligent in what we do. Wise people are working people. Wise people uh, make the most of the opportunities and carry their share of the load. Um, it's our best work that he wants. That's, that's what God wants. Doesn't he want our best? He wants our best work. By the way, don't do it for your boss. Do it for the Lord. Some people say, well, I've got a, a bad boss. I've got a, you don't understand my, do it for the Lord. The Lord sees your work. The Lord is the one. Hey, I believe when Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house that God caused whatever he did to prosper because he did it with all his might. He did it with the best of his ability. He was diligent. He was not lazy. And by the way, I believe he was working for God. I believe he said, I'm going to, and by the way, when he got landed in the prison, he said, I'm going to be the best prisoner that I can possibly be. And there he was in the prison. They made him head over all the prisoners there. He prospered in whatever he did because he worked hard. He was diligent. He was wise in that area. Wise people seek to influence others to trust the Lord. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. You know what? If you're really a wise person, you're going to do? You're going to influence people to trust Christ with their life. You're going to understand that the reason why I'm on this earth is to be salt and to be light. And when I interact with other people, I want to create a relationship, a friendship with them that will cause them to desire in me what is Christ, uh, what Christ has done in my life. Not that they would desire to be like me, but they would desire to be like Christ. You know, as I looked at some of the young men that were there yesterday, I just burdened in my heart. I said, God, help me to be able to make a connection. I was able to talk with several of them afterwards, found out where they lived, and I said, I hope later on this week, if you don't mind, maybe I could pick the three of you up and, and just take you out to lunch, and we could have a conversation. What am I trying to do? I'm not trying to go party and hang out and have a good time doing what they like to do. I want to engage them. I want to create a relationship. I want them to know that somebody loves them and, and cares for them. And, and by the way, maybe we could love them to Jesus Christ if we got outside of our bubble a little bit. We got outside of what we thought. You know, well, we just do this. We go to church. We come in. You know, we don't want to engage society. You know, bomb shelter mentality. That's just endured to the end. You know, all those kind of things. That's not why God left us here. God left us here to engage the culture that we live in without fear, without trembling, with courage. When I look at the men of the book of Acts, I do not see men who were afraid of their culture. I see men that were courageous in spite of their culture that stood boldly for Christ. Boy, we need to do that. One of our men mentioned to me tonight, and I thought it was a good statement. 
He said it was good for some of those young men to see men of God who weren't wimpy and soft and lazy. It was good for them to see men of God who were strong men, who had a care and about them, who were diligent men, but also had a charisma about them that comes from Christ, a, a magnitude about them, if you would, to where they'd want to be around somebody like that, even though they see the difference, and even though they may not like everything they say, as you hear a preacher get up, and, and boy, I want to have favor with people. How about you? That's something we have to work hard at, though, isn't it? You've got to work hard. Then lastly tonight, we said the wise did the wicked. I want to go through these real quick, and we'll be done. Give me five minutes and I'll be done, I promise. First is pride. Pride is usually the basic motivation for all sins. We're in Proverbs 6. We'll go back to the text where we were. Six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. You can underline them. You can circle them. These are my points. The wicked person on their list, characteristics of a wicked person, pride. Pride is usually the basic motivation for all other sin. It's the truth. It is the basic motivation for which Lucifer fell, pride. It is the basic motivation for which Adam and Eve fell, pride. It is the basic motivation for which Cain killed Abel, pride. It is the basic motivation for most sin, it's pride. And we've got to be careful. Pride turned Lucifer into Satan and led Eve to disobey God. Uh, uh, He said, ye shall be as gods. You know, we've got to hate pride and arrogance because God hates it. And boy, you know why we, where we need to hate it first in our own lives. It's easy for us to hate it in the lives of others. We need to hate it first in our own life. I believe that's what God is telling us to, to hate first. Pride, arrogance, things that would cause us to be lifted up. Second, a lying tongue. God, let me say this. God is a God of truth, is he not? He does not want us to be liars. He does not want us to use lies to uh, uh, cause ourselves to move up any ladder or chain. You don't need to lie to prosper in this world. That is what the world is teaching our young people. You can be dishonest. You can do all of those things. A little lie. It doesn't hurt anything. Just tell a little falsehood. If you feel like you're under pressure or you're, uh, someone's going to uh, come to you and there's going to be consequences, the best thing you could possibly do is lie to try to cover it up. You know, parents, the best thing you can do is, is teach your kids to be honest. And when they're not honest, make sure they know there's consequences for being a liar. Because you're not going to help them. If you don't help them tell the truth, they won't. That's why God has put you in their lives. As a parent, you need to be discerning and and wise and understand uh, if they're lying to you, it's a sin. And God hates that sin. We've got to hate lying lips in our own life too, don't we? Because, boy, the temptation comes so easily. Lie to make myself look better. Lie to get myself out of trouble. Lie to someone else so that somehow I can get ahead of them. Lying is an abomination to God. God's a God of truth, is He not? God's never lied. He's never told a falsehood. He's never bent the truth. He's never deceived one time. He's never took the truth out of context. Lying, that's a big problem. Young person, if you have a problem with lying, be honest with yourself. Confess and forsake that sin. God will help you with that. Be an honest person. Get in the Word of God and see God loves honesty. He'll help you to be honest. The third sin he hates is murder. He says, hands that shed innocent blood. He says, thou shalt not kill. You know, God permits uh, government to exercise capital punishment and to strengthen the land and justice in the land. But the shedding of innocent blood pollutes the land. Boy, I'm reminded of that to think of how many innocent babies are killed every year uh, in our country. 
in the name of convenience. And uh, as I sat in adoption proceedings this week, I thought, boy, how many parents in this room desire to have children? And we have killed off our workforce. We have literally killed off the army, and we've killed off the workforce, and we've killed off the the workers of the next generation by the millions of babies that have been slain. Innocent blood. God hates that. The murder of innocent blood. How about this? A heart that devises wicked schemes. You know, God's greatest gift to us is our imagination. It's one of the greatest gifts God's given you. Boy, but we need to make sure we have a pure imagination. That we imagine things that are pleasing to God. I'm thankful for the purity of the imagination of a child. But boy, isn't it interesting that in the world that we live in, they seek to pollute the imagination of children so easily and early on. Get them devising mischief. Get them devising wicked schemes. The imagination is the womb out of which either evil or good is born. And people who can plan evil things that hurt others can also plan good things that will help others. Use your imagination for God. I like when people think big things and plan big things for the Lord. I like to do that. I like to get a vision for what God would have for the future, uh, not just of our ministry, but in my marriage and with my family. Big things, large things. Uh, boy, I, I, you say, well, why do you want to do that? Because I know I can't do big things and I can't do large things, but I believe I serve a God who can have faith uh, that believes that He can do great things. Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have an imagination for your marriage? Do you have a, a, a burden and imagination for our church? You know, part of why we have a vision night as a church is I want you to catch the vision and, and I want you to understand, hey, what are we trying to do here? And why is it, why is it so important in, that we be so urgent about it? We get busy doing it. We need to have hearts to devise good things, not wicked things. What about this? The next one, sinners that have feet that are swift and running to mischief. They want to fulfill their schemes quickly, enjoy their pleasures immediately. God's people should have cleansed feet, the Bible says. God's people should have beautiful feet, the Bible says. God's people should have prepared feet, the Bible says. God's people should have obedient feet. Those are the kind of feet we should have, but a wicked person has feet that are swift and running to mischief. We've got to be careful that that's not our feet. We're quick to run into evil things, to get involved in things, and Boy, it's often said, well, they just got with the wrong crowd. If they had not run to the wrong crowd, they'd never been involved with that crowd. You've got to be careful with where your feet go. God has called his people to the truth. But get this one, two more, and we're done. A false witness who speaks lies. I've got one minute. A false witness that speaks lies. Bearing false witness is a violation of the ninth commandment. Truth is, John Dryden said this, truth is the foundation of all knowledge and cement of all societies. Isn't it interesting they're trying to change the truth in our society? They're trying to get us to believe a lie. Believing these lies, and boy, it's interesting that people will speak and say that they have other people's best interest in mind, but we know there's an agenda behind what they're doing. And uh, they cannot change history, but they're trying to rewrite it. They can't change the truth, but they're trying to erase it. Can I remind you, they tried to burn this a long time ago. They've not yet succeeded. The Bible says that never will succeed. The Bible says that uh, he's, he's promised to forever preserve his word. 
no matter how many times they try to erase it on a monument, stamp it out of our schools, or erase it from our history, they can never, never, never get rid of the Word of God. They never will. God has promised to preserve His Word. I'm reminded that even in places where it's forbidden, it's being smuggled in. People are still getting copies of the Word of God. They're still studying. They're still reading. They cannot keep it down. They can't keep it away. It's too powerful. It's too strong. What a wonderful thing. Then lastly tonight, he that soweth discord among the brethren. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The wicked person destroys that unity by sowing some of the seeds that produce bitter and divisive in the harvest. Some of the seeds are pride and anger and hatred and a quarrelsome spirit, foolish questions and gossip. A truly godly person sows seeds of unity and peace, not seeds of discord. Discord and division in the church are terrible sins because they're contrary to the spiritual unity that Jesus prayed for in John 17, 21. It's important we understand God doesn't want us to have these a false witness that speaketh lies, but somebody that sows seeds of discord is doing the work of the devil to divide to cause division in God's church. You know what God, uh, what the devil doesn't want in our church? Unity. Doesn't want unity. And he'll use you and he'll use me. He'll use pride. He'll use little things. He'll use big things. He'll use anything he possibly can to cause division. And what we have to be committed to as a church is that we're not going to be wicked in the area of sowing discord. Someone, I've met people that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but they don't use their Bible knowledge to bring forth the spirit of unity and love and the love of Christ. And it's a waste of knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, the Bible says. But if we've got the spirit of Christ, we're going to unify and love people. It's important that we have that spirit here in our church. Unification, love. Not unifying around compromise. Unifying around truth. We're all coming together because we love the truth. We love God's word. Let's be a wise person. Father, I pray you help us to choose wisely. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.